we need to talk about investing. A beginner investor podcast from Charles Stanley. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of We Need to Talk About Investing. I'm Erica White. I'm going to keep it really real here for you guys. There is a lot going on in the news at the moment. The combination of the current UK political instability, coupled with the market's reaction, the current strength of the pound, a reported impending recession, the energy bill crisis, the ongoing Ukraine conflict, it's all enough to make anybody's head spin. And to be totally honest with you, I found myself in this weird kind of like ignorance is bliss state where I've almost thought to myself, if I just bury my head in the sand and ingest a little bit less news about everything that's happening in the world right now, much of which feels extremely complex and way out of my depth, then it'll all just kind of sort itself out. And besides, it's all way beyond my control and therefore not my problem. Or is it? To help make sense these past few weeks and entangle what it all means for you or for me, CSD's chief analyst, Rob Morgan, is back on the podcast. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for being here today. How's it going? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. And very pleased to be on the podcast again. So I know that there is a lot to get to here. So I'm just going to start with the absolute basics. Can you just explain to me the volatility that we've been seeing and what it is all about? Yeah, sure. I think there's two main elements to the market volatility. So there's the wider backdrop, and then there's the events that we've seen in recent weeks surrounding the the so-called mini-budget, which we'll come on to. But um, the wider backdrop is all about where expectations of where interest rates are headed, and consequently, the rise in bond yields from that. So let me explain that. So the higher inflation goes and the longer that high inflation lasts, the higher interest rates have to go to try and control that. Right. When uh, it comes to interest rates, Rob, this is something that I am getting stuck on right off the bat. And it's when we talk about interest rates and you hear about interest rates in the news, they talk about 75 basis points, 50 basis points. Can you explain to me what that means? And like what that means for me, I don't know if that's a dumb question, but I just don't quite understand it. No, it's a great question because interest rates set the rate of borrowing across the economy. So each nation has a central bank, which is in control of of where uh, interest rates are. And for us in the UK at the moment, the Bank of England base rate is 2.25% 2.25% at present. It went up from 1.75% last month. And when we hear uh, 75 basis points, you know, a rise of 75 basis points means a rise of 0.75%, or 50 basis points means a, uh, a raise of 0.5%. So it's just a bit of jargon, really. But what, what it's telling you is a, a 50 basis point rise or 0.5% rise, which is actually what we had last month from 1.75 to to 2.5, tells you that interest rates are going up. The cost of borrowing is going up uh, across the economy. And that, of course, feeds into the cost of debt for for everybody. So for businesses, for consumers in the form of their mortgages, and it feeds into financial markets as well, because the yields on government bonds and the return that investors expect from their investments has to rise as well, which implies a lower price. So this is what we're seeing. We're seeing in a big adjustment 
to the likelihood of higher interest rates, not just here in the UK, but across the world. And therefore, investors expect a higher return on their investments. And of course, if interest rates are rising because the central banks have a mandate to control inflation. So it comes back to where they need to put interest rates to sufficiently control inflation. And arguably, they've been behind the curve for some time. They're trying to catch up and dampen down the price rises that we've seen across the economy. So is it accurate to say, Rob, that this is happening in part just almost like as a hangover effect from everything that went on during COVID? Or is it more than that? Well, I think that's a, certainly a big factor because we had a, a period where lots of money was created, newly formed. It went out into the economy and circulated around. And central banks you know, had to act. They had to do that to stave off uh, an economic uh, crisis at the time. But as that money sort of circulated around the economy and things got better, what sort of crept up on them is the impact that that's had on price rises as well. And of course, we've had some factors that have exacerbated the situation. We've had you know, commodity prices rising, the oil price obviously not helped by the Russian invasion of, uh, of Ukraine. So there's been some other factors at play as well. And the breakdown of, uh, of global supply change, which has disrupted things, and changes in the labour market, a very tight labour market. So it has been a bit of a perfect storm for inflation. But it is fair to say that I think that um, that the pandemic episode did have a, a significant impact on that. And of course, it's affected everything. So as interest rates rise, as bond yields rise, the prices of virtually all other assets come under pressure from the higher return available on cash or safe uh, investments. So, you know, this is what we've seen. It's been a very, very difficult time for investors. It's so interesting. We've discussed in podcasts previously about the way that the world is like this web and you can you know stick your finger in it and, it, and everything moves uh which i think is definitely something that we've been seeing here in full in the past couple of weeks what do you think the outlook is from here how optimistic or pessimistic are you dare i ask yeah uh, i mean it's from this point i think things are looking a bit brighter uh you know we've we've had almost all asset classes succumb to this trend of inexorably rising interest rates to control rising inflation. That's been a really painful period, as painful really as I can I can remember in my career, because for a, a, an ordinary investor, normally things like diversification, you know, the, 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 the principle that not having all your eggs in one asset basket and spreading your money around is really helpful. So if equities are or shares are rising and bonds are falling in a good economic environment, you know, one offsets the other. And then if you go into a bad period and, and, and bonds um, start to do well because the economic uh, environment looks poorer and uh, interest rates are being cut, then they do better than equities that are affected by a recession. So the problem that we've had and the background to it is that everything has has kind of gone down in tandem, which is unfortunately, a result of this very unusual period of very low interest rates, and then the very rapid move into a period of higher inflation and higher interest rates. So what do we think from this point? Well, things are looking brighter. So it's it's been really painful, but inflationary pressures are starting to ease, we think. 
So when clear evidence emerges that they are, that they're moderating, then central banks can actually ease off that uh, that hiking of interest rates and putting the interest rates up by in what we're probably about to see is some quite big chunks coming through, you know, the 0.5% or 0.75% rises to tame that runaway inflation. So that headwind to investment returns, while that's going to occur, you know, carry on for the next few months, what we are witnessing as well now is that things are starting to stabilize in in commodities energy prices have come back a bit and certainly other commodities so agricultural commodities and uh, metals and things like that have started to come down and in some cases quite sharply the cost of shipping has come down very sharply so there's evidence there that cooling demand and cooling raw material prices are going to start to have effect on headline rates of inflation Nonetheless, for markets are forecasting inflation will be quite stubborn and that in UK interest rates will actually peak at 5% or more next year. But as I said, there are factors that might slow that rate of inflation. And in that context, we're slightly more optimistic now that although the bad news is, is significant, it's always darkest before dawn. And we need to be aware that actually there's some opportunities being created right now. It's interesting um, to see what is performing well or what is performing poorly and actually more interestingly what's performing well. I was actually speaking to one of the investment managers in the office about how uh, vice stocks were doing really well in this tumultuous time. So um, alcohol and tobacco companies, which is fascinating well, those, to me. Those are, exactly. I mean, those are the things that people tend not to give up, I guess. Or, to, or so, turn to, right, in, times of, in terms it, of turmoil. Indeed. So there's been pockets of kind of resilience and, and you've identified two of them there. And, and, and clearly anything linked to kind of energy has been pretty resilient as well, because it's it's one area where companies are making perhaps higher profits than, than would have been expected. So, yes, you know, there, there are some pockets there. But, you know, I think uh, for a for a traditional 60 40 portfolio you know 60 percent shares 40 percent bonds which is kind of people's go-to kind of asset allocation as a sort of starting point it's been really difficult no not not a lot worked and and parking your money in cash wouldn't have helped that much because you you'd be behind inflation in real terms so everyone's been fighting a, a sort of game that's really hard to win through circumstances so you know if you've got through that and you're relatively unscathed and, and, and you've limited losses, then, you know, you've done really well is the message. But now it is probably time to look at, you know, how this is going to evolve and, and, and how opportunities are likely to uh, appear. But it has been in a really, really difficult time. But now we think that, you know, diversification start working a bit better. What can investors do right now? And is it a good time to invest? I think it depends on your situation. Clearly, if um, you know, your your time horizon is sufficiently long. I, I would say, yes, it is. In particular, we think there's opportunities presenting themselves in bond markets. Now, I'm not talking in, in sort of weeks and months because you never get the timing right. You know, clearly there's there could be more volatility in the short term. But these are high yields that we're seeing across bond markets now in the context of what we've seen for a decade or more. And 
that's going to give some diversification benefits, we think, going forward. So they're looking a lot more attractive than they have done, certainly if you think inflation is going to moderate. So that's worth considering. And to be honest, you know, those saving towards retirement, those with plenty of time on the side, it could be a great time, I think, to contribute, you know, as long as you're happy with with short-term volatility and, the, uh, and markets potentially worsening before they get better. You know, that's always something that's uh, possible. But yeah, we do think perhaps interest rates expectations are a bit too high across the market. And that would give some scope for some returns from here sort of going forward. So when it comes to, I'm going to switch this now, change topics a little bit over to pensions. So when it comes to pensions in this tumultuous time, what would you recommend somebody do in two scenarios here? So the first scenario, if they are young and they have time on their side to ride out this uncertainty, but also what about somebody that's older, that's maybe at retirement age or that's about to retire? Uh, what would you recommend? For uh, a younger person, it's quite quite simple. You know, obviously, you know, stick to your contributions as far as you can. Obviously, we do have a cost of living squeeze. So, you know, that is going to depend on affordability, but do as much as you can because you will be taking advantage of lower prices prices may go lower for for assets we don't know but you've got the time to reap the rewards of recovery and compound those returns over time so stick to that stick to getting your tax relief you know that gives you an extra boost um for a basic rate taxpayer it's the, the effect is getting 25% more invested uh more for a for a high rate taxpayer potentially and Make sure you're getting as much as you can from your employer if you're in a workplace scheme. So, so maximize your contributions to to take advantage of that. And and that's you know all you can do to maximize your your returns. And in time, markets will, if history is any guide, recover and go on to give you decent returns. So more difficult for people approaching retirement because obviously we've seen asset prices fall really across the board. And people might have been going into more stable investments such as bonds as a, in their approach to retirement if they're looking to draw upon it as a pot. So, you know, that that is difficult. One sort of silver lining really is that although asset prices have fallen, the cost of actually buying an annuity, which is a guaranteed income for life that can be purchased using a, your accumulated pension pot. Now, annuity rates have risen. So the cost of buying an income using an annuity has dropped. So although asset prices have dropped, you've had something taken away with one hand, but given back with another because annuity rates are actually as as competitive as they've been for for a very long time. So that's not right for everyone because you lose access to your money. But with rates sort of a third higher than they were at the beginning of the year, at least, worth considering especially if you've got a pension pot that sort of weathered the storm reasonably well. So probably a fresh look at that is worth doing. We've got a pension calculator on our website as well, which gives you an idea of, uh, of whether you're on track for meeting your retirement needs. So, so you can always check in on that as well. In my friend group, that topics at dinner time conversation, it's all about people's mortgages. And I think it's pretty safe to say that everyone's kind of stressing in a major way about the changes and what it means for them. So would you recommend for somebody to continue to invest during this time or to put that money into like paying off their mortgage quicker? Often people categorize mortgages as inverted commas, good debt, because it's 
low, it can be kept under control and, and, and repaid gradually. And it buys you a, a very worthwhile asset, which is something that you that you live in and then have at the end of the term. So, you know, if you can secure low interest rates on mortgages, which is what we've seen really for most people for the past decade, then you know, generally that's uh, that's a good place to be. You know, obviously the if you're if you're remortgaging and your interest rate is much higher, that potentially changes the picture. It really does depend on personal circumstances. So you know, your age, your job status, the terms of the loan, the interest rate. You know, are you a risk taker or are you more cautious? So you know, let's break that down. You'll save money in interest by paying your debt down sooner. That's, that's a fact. The longer you have on your mortgage, the higher the interest rate, the more you pay in interest. That's especially true in the early years when the, the loan balance is larger. But the other side of the, the coin is overpaying on your mortgage, paying more than you need to under the terms of the loan agreement comes with an opportunity cost. Could you have got more money by investing than it's cost you in, in terms of interest on the debt? So the higher the mortgage rate, is arguably there's there's less of an opportunity cost because you know it's it's one thing bettering a sort of one two three percent rate with investment returns but achieving upwards of say six percent which is where you know fixed rates are, are potentially got to now is much more difficult so with higher interest rates it it does make more sense to repay the debt as quickly as possible but uh, you know which is why we'd always say in relation to uh, high interest debts, credit cards, and personal loans; those have got to be repaid as a as an absolute priority. But it does come down to sort of where you are in terms of your particular mortgage terms. I think because you know we might have an environment of rising interest rates now, but they might subside quite quickly in due course. Do you have any final pieces of advice before I let you go and get back to your busy and very hectic day? Yeah, so I think in relation to mortgages, I think you have to consider one, your age, the longer you have to, to invest, the more beneficial that can be. Your job status, if you're in a secure job with good prospects, then you're likely to be more confident. And the mortgage terms and the interest rate. So if you've secured rates at close to or below the current sort of rates, it'll two, three percent, you're in a favorable position. But if you're remortgaging and you're facing a sudden jump in payments, then you know, now could be an opportune time to pay off a chunk of that debt. And there's no there's no easy answer to that question, you know, should I should I invest or should I pay off my mortgage? It, it is kind of come down to personal circumstances and how it makes you feel at the end of the day, like a lot of things. Any financial decision that makes you lose sleep at night with worry, then it's generally best to take the safe option. Never put yourself in a vulnerable position if you can avoid it. Absolutely. Rob, thank you so much for answering all of these questions here. I know it was a lot and I know it was kind of all over the place, but uh, you really put my mind at ease for one. So thank you so much for all your expertise. No problem. I, I really hope that was helpful for, for some people. And we'll obviously be doing a lot more on the various, uh, the various issues that are affecting people as and when they, uh, they arise. We need to talk about investing. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of We Need to Talk About Investing. If you liked what you heard or if you learned anything, please go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, engage with us in any way that you see fit. 
And if you want to participate in one of our webinars, we have one coming up this November 2nd at 1 p.m. It's how to get started with investing. So if somebody you know or you yourself want to be coming, please do go ahead and head to our website and register for the event. We hope to see you there. Bye-bye. A beginner investor podcast from Charles Stanley. The value of investments can fall as well as rise. Investors may get back less than invested. Past performance is not a reliable guide to the future.